0: episode. It's myself, Sarah R., and a friend of the podcast, Kendall Lynch. Uh, this is the first of hopefully many episodes where we interview individual women about their self-concerns and strategies for our podcast, Self-Care with Dr. Sarah. Thank you so much. Um, the, thanks. Coming. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> so uh, I was just wondering you, if you could tell me a bit about your past. So you uh, had, had a child during graduate school mm-hmm. and you had to get into the deep on self care strategies quickly. Yeah, yeah.
1: So um, just uh, just for for our listeners. So um, yeah, I am in my final year, um, in my final months actually of my uh, PhD program. I had um, uh, my uh, significant other and I decided that, especially since I'm an older woman. I went back to grad school in my 30s, and so so the clock was, the, the biological clock was definitely ticking on me, and so my significant other and I, once we were together and, and pretty much sure that we were going to be committed in our relationship with one another, we decided it was time for us to go ahead and have kids, because the clock was ticking, and the deal I made with him was, as long as I can, you know, be close to delivering the dissertation with the kid, I'll do it while I'm still in grad school, that's no problem, so... We found out a little earlier than we expected that I was pregnant with my son, and that was um, about last year, May of, May of last year, and I was still, you know, in the phase of finishing up lab work and, you know, getting my dissertation and my first publication out mm. and together and stuff like that, so it was still a really stressful time, and on top of that, um, we had just moved to Montana. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. had just moved. I was finishing up school in Colorado, and we had... Just decided to move to Montana so I would finish my dissertation long distance. So I had to do a lot of travel back and forth to wrap up my lab work and meet with colleagues and do some data analysis and stuff. So it was definitely a very stressful time. So when I uh, found out that I was pregnant with my, my son, it, it really was, I really did have to kind of sit down and think about how am I going to take care of myself with all these things I had to do. I had, and, and on top of that, right when I found out I was pregnant with him, I had four trips lined up that summer mm. in my first trimester. And yeah. three of those trips were in environments where the temperatures were at 100, average 98 to 100 degrees. Oh, wow. The whole time I was there. <laughs> So it was like, how am I going to manage this? How am I going to take care of myself, get the things that I need to get done and accomplished and still make sure that I'm still okay with me and... And taking care of the new
0: life that was. Growing. Yeah, it's a new environment. Um, yeah. You know, speaking of, I'm from Montana, so <laughs> right. I was so excited when I heard yeah. that you you are living there now. Yeah. Um. So so you were kind of thrown into the thick of it, and maybe what some people would consider not the ideal point of graduate school, right? Because you know, I, I feel like when I was still a, a year plus out from finishing, mm-hmm. the light was not at the end of the tunnel yet. Right. You know, because you don't see it, you haven't like realized it. Yeah. And so when when you got the news that you're pregnant, you know you're gonna. To be finishing up. You have all these field work to do. Mm-hmm. You said you came up with some self-care strategies or you knew you had to. And so what kind of came out of that for you? So the first thing that I realized for myself when
1: I was pregnant as sleeping, yep. getting lots and lots, getting enough sleep because my body was going through this process of growing another life mm-hmm. and it's going to take a lot of energy. And I, even though I had all these things that I had to do, The number one thing was making sure that I got my eight hours of sleep at night and not skimping on it like I had done in the past, both in undergrad Mm -hmm. and when I was working. And then when I came back to grad school, there were times where I would just skimp and go down to, like, four hours of sleep. Mm -hmm. So, um, and that was was honestly... (laughs) really difficult for me especially when I was traveling and going to meetings because yeah. a lot of you know when you're at a meeting or when you're at a workshop a lot of going out afterwards and yeah. socializing with your colleagues and you know having a beer or whatever is is part of what you do and it was really hard to say well guys I gotta go to bed you guys yeah. have fun I'll see you in the morning it was yeah. very hard but I you know I got very disciplined in it very quickly and um and I feel like that It was a good thing, even though it was hard, because it allowed me to have the energy to get through my, Mm -hmm. my, my days and, and be effective in my, my jobs when I was
0: in those meetings and workshops and things. That's actually really interesting to me because the very first place I met you was at, um, the research focus group for GradCon four years ago or so. And that was the one thing that I was worried about at that research Mm -hmm. focus group is like, but I need my eight hours of sleep and (laughs) no group is getting eight hours of sleep because you have 24 (laughs) hours (laughs) to turn this around. And so, you know, like we all, we all have different reasons for necessarily needing sleep. But, you know, for me, um, like I, you know, I as well noticed that, uh, you know, my health and happiness suffers Mm -hmm. on low sleep. And so, so that was actually a big concern for me 4 years ago right. which is funny to you know hear hear you talk about this now what uh, if i could ask so what t- time did you set for your bedtime and then when if if something happened say like mm-hmm. something uncontrollable happened you had to stay up later what did you do? Did you get up later? Did you skip other things, or did you lose sleep that night? Um, if
1: things happen later, and and it did happen, like for example, I was at um I was um at Comic Con for FameLab, Lab, and there was a lot of things in the evening that kind of ran a little late, um and that that, that I kind of had participated in, so. Um, what I did is, I mean, when that happened, I just was like, okay, so I've got to look at my next day and I looked for ways, places where I could sneak, basically sneak off and take a nap.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's basically what I did. I, um, you know, when I was, when I was in Phoenix, I, it was pretty easy because there was a lot of downtime during the day. Yeah. So I could sneak off in the afternoon and take like an hour nap. Yeah. Um, when I was in DC and we were running all day. What helped me in that self-care was, um, especially if we had very late and long days, which we had in D.C. as well, is that I made sure that the um, program managers um, for the the workshop that I was a part of made sure that they knew what was going on. Even though it was only my first trimester and I wasn't telling anybody, yeah. I let them know, "Hey, I, I'm in my first trimester of a pregnancy, so I, you know, this is what I'm gonna need. Yeah. I'm gonna, you know, I'm I'm probably gonna have to take a little extra breaks. You know, when we're on the bus going from place to place to place." I might fall asleep. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. might just, and, and I did. Yeah. When we were going from one side of DC to another, yeah. I was asleep. Out. <laughs> I was just gone. And they were just, and, and it was great too because informing them, even though I didn't want to tell people because you never know what's going to happen in first yeah. trimester, especially as an older woman, yeah. your, your your miscarriage rate is a lot higher. I was really uncomfortable telling people, but it, I think that was another good strategy for me to let at least the program managers for this, pro, this program that I was in know so that they could help me take Mm -hmm. care of me so a lot of times like the you know one of the program assistants she'd walk by and she's like have you had water lately and I'm like oh no she's like good here and Mm -hmm. hand me a bottle of water and like the you know some of the other program managers when we had to go through the the screening systems Mm -hmm. and stuff they're like that he'd he'd work it out with the guards oh no you're not going through there you're going this way so I didn't have to go through like the metal detectors and stuff
0: so it was just you had a team of people supporting you a team of people supporting me who
1: understood that it was you know something I wanted to keep quiet but there was a little extra things that I was going to need Okay, excellent. you know, so they were checking in on me. And it was, it was really nice to have that, you know, and yeah. ha- and have the trust that they're not going to blab it to everybody. So every, you know, I didn't. What I didn't want was everybody going, oh, oh, you're delicate or whatever, yeah, and then sure. knowing too early also. Yeah.
0: yeah. So <laughs> what did you find? Uh, you know, I actually have a question about sleep after the baby came. Right. But before we get there, <laughs> right. were there any other strategies that you implemented other than sleep for self-care both uh, before and after your pregnancy?
1: Um. Yeah. So just trying to remember cause it's so long ago. Yeah. We, I, um, you know, a lot of it was also really focusing on diet and time with my, hu- and time with my husband, both before and after the pregnancy, mm-hmm. before the pregnancy, I really focused on having a good working day so that I worked about eight hours a day and didn't get too tired cause that's and too stressed because that is something that can happen when you're writing your dissertation yeah. and you're really trying to push to finish. Yeah. And I was really trying to push to finish you know, so I had, a, my husband and I really figured out a really good schedule where I could work eight hours a day, have his support, and then have our downtime at night. Um, when I went on travel, so in between my second and my third trimester, I had to actually go back to school yeah. to finish up lab work which meant being in a lab full of chemicals, mm. which was kind of a little scary and nerve wracking for me. But then again, what the strategy I used on that is I really sat down with my lab members and said, okay, here's the things I need to do this week. Yeah. And here are the things that I can't do because I'm pregnant. Yeah. Can I get your help to do these things yeah. so that I don't have to be exposed to chemicals? chemicals? Can I get your help to do these things so that I don't have to li- lift things in the mm-hmm. lab? I don't have to do these things that could um, harm my pregnancy. And People were really receptive to yeah. that, you know. I just sat down and planned it out with my coworkers so that they could take. So I wasn't super imposing on them, but they but they could plan it into their schedule to help me do what I okay. needed to get done in the lab, and that and that I didn't have to be exposed to chemicals. So just really communicating with with my community in my lab space to to get the work that I needed to get done, but not put myself in harm's way, was very helpful as far as self care in working in a lab, pregnant. Yeah. It was really useful.
0: What about what? What changed after Gavin came along? What you know? <laughs> what new uh, new opportunities for learning about self care presented themselves? Um, learning that I
1: just had to give myself time to, for my science brain to come back.
0: Yeah, I
1: was so worried about getting my next chapter out, getting yeah. things done, and and I just didn't have the brain for it. I mean, I was I was tired. I was learning how to be a mom. I was recovering from a C section. Yeah. And I just, you know, I had to like forgive myself and give myself that time off, and then just really, I just had to really let, let my science brain back come back slowly and carefully, and not beat myself up. Basically, not beat myself up too much. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting here like I've got this deadline. I don't have time. My body needs to hurry up and heal. And I was like, it's yeah, not gonna, it's hurt not up gonna and happen. Heal. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. So, so that's okay. Just relax. I, I basically <laughs> had to, you know, tell myself to relax and. Let myself focus on my son. Yeah. Let myself enjoy and um, and focus on taking care of him and learning how to take care of him effectively, so that then I could start to take care of myself and start getting back to thinking about how to integrate him back into my science life. And it was really nice that about a month, you know, once I had gotten in a really good routine with him, you know, I felt comfortable and and enough with my new situation that. I could go to, I could go sit down at my computer and start working again. And I mean, and I didn't do it. I didn't like jump in and do an eight hour hard working day. It was like, okay, I'm going to work an hour today. Yeah. tomorrow I'm going to work two hours. Mm -hmm. And then the next day I'm going to work three hours and I'm going to work it back up. I'm going to work while he's napping. Yeah. And I finally, you know, I just worked myself back into my science routine of writing and, and data analysis and thinking about science. And then all of a sudden, you know, it came back and it was just nice It was really, it was kind of really to kind of pull the two worlds together over the course of the next month.
0: How long, so how long did you take, so you took off a month solidly, and then how long did you say, would you say you were on part-time before you were really back into full swing of grad school? I
1: would say that I probably wasn't back in full swing until about, about three months. About three months, yeah, Uh, it, it took about three months to kind of be really back in full swing, and, and ready to, to want, and ready to want to have a full eight hour workday. So.
0: And what did you do with that for childcare? You know, when you're working eight hours, how is your, how did you guys handle that? Well, we got, of? we got
1: really lucky in that, you know, my husband has his job first. So, you know, we, we had additional income coming in. It wasn't just, you know, me on a, a, a student and a stipend. So, um, we actually decided to hire a mommy helper. I, um, or a nanny for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. Um, so we hired a lady to come in about uh, three days a week Mm -hmm. uh, for about six to eight hours so that Mm -hmm. that I could have work time.
0: Yeah.
1: And that seemed, that worked really nicely because I was still bonding with him. Mm -hmm. And so there was still time where I really didn't even want to work. I just wanted to spend the whole day with him because he was changing every day, but I needed to work. I needed to get my, my dissertation done. So that That seemed to work. And and daycare wasn't the right option either because he was so little.
0: Yeah.
1: It just seemed that was the the best solution to allow me to have work time during the week while my husband's also at work and allowing me to still have time with him. And then on the weekends, what we would do is that my husband, basically, that was his time. Mm. So that was a beautiful thing that helped me too in um, being able to have the time I needed to get my science done was that, you know, we would, as a family, have like our Saturday mornings with the baby breakfast and then hand the baby over to daddy and he has his son for the rest of the, the day and the same thing on Sunday and mom gets to get her work done and then at about seven and about seven at night. I put everything away and then go and we have a family evening together and all.
0: To oh, that's together. nice. Yeah, it's a good solution. So you worked, you know, you shifted your schedule as we're so lucky in academia to be able to do, right. <laughs> um, so that you could have some of your, uh, you know, quote unquote weekend time also with your son during the week and then shift some right. work to the weekend and yep. let your husband take Basically. over. Basically, so I still got five working days. I just. Yeah, shifted them. just
1: shifted yeah. them and then and in that way, it wasn't so exorbitantly expensive to have you know a helper.
0: <laughs> yeah do you have any strategies for say say something just really you have a bad day, you know, Gavin's you know upset, uh, mm-hmm. you know, your advisor's upset. The conference talk is late. You're not submitting your paper. I don't know. Everything. everything (laughs) Oh yeah.
1: (laughs) The days when everything explodes.
0: Yes. So I assume these happen maybe with increasing frequency now with throwing a family into the mix. And what do you, how do you get back to your center and how do you reduce stress and and self care Um, in those moments of crisis? Well, the beautiful thing is I live in Montana. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes you do. So so beautiful. And I like,
1: and and being outside is kind of cathartic for me. So those are the times when I grab my, you know, I grab my dog, I grab the stroller, and we go for a walk. Yeah. You know, it's just like, I, I just close the door to my office and I'm like,
0: we're going outside
1: today. And then those are the times when I just I just take that time, go outside and just kinda of recenter and give the dog and, and the baby my attention and just yeah. put all my focus and just allow all of my stress to kind of channel into giving them time and attention and giving myself and some, some Mm -hmm. exercise and some physical activity to just kind of reset. So that's, that's one strategy that I use. And I also, you know, I I also have a very good network, I'm building a network of of friends and colleagues in Montana. So I have a mommy date with another um, mom who was basically kind of the same situation. She's actually, um, she's actually an environmental engineer. She's Mm -hmm. got her master's in environmental engineering and she was having her, her second child at the at the age of 40, whereas I was having my first child at the age of 40 and we were in the same parenting class together. And so we have um, mommy science dates (laughs) where we get together and we were doing this even while we were pregnant, we were getting together and just kind of allowing ourselves to kind of, you know, vent vent and lament with each other, like the challenges of being in our forties and pregnant with these really demanding science jobs, you know, it's like, how do we manage this? You know, how do we manage the science job? She also, on top of managing our husbands, she also has another child to manage. And so that was really helpful to, to be able to just by just pure she luck have this time. other woman who's in, in pretty much the same situation I was in so that we could meet and kind of lament together, vent together, and kind of figure out, you know, discuss ideas and options for how to deal with our different stresses and how to manage our schedules and our husbands and our
0: careers. <laughs> managing you know, and, husbands, that's always... Yeah. <laughs> That's another topic for another day. Yeah. But I okay, I I am just shocked. I do I do not believe you're, that you're forty. Yeah. I've known I've yes. known you for four years, and and uh, I would never never in my wildest dreams. Which leads me to another question. So you know the imposter syndrome, right? Yes. Only you know all people who are worth knowing have it. I feel because the other ones are intolerable. <laughs> um, but uh, I thought about it that way. Do you, do you? Experience more of those thoughts now that you have a family. Uh, you are an older student coming back to grad school. Has has any of those specific aspects triggered imp- more imposter thoughts or more anxiety for you?
1: Oh, you have no idea. Yes. Oh my god. Well, especially um, I was so afraid. Even even before the baby, once I got pregnant, I was afraid to tell anybody. Yeah. I was because I'm I'm in, you know at the time I was 39. I turned 40 yeah. um, eight days before um, my son was born. But, you know, I'm in my late thirties. I'm, you know, I, I had a career as an engineer. I came back to grad school and, you know, I'm finishing up my PhD. So I'm kind of a late early career and, and in a time when it's really critical for women in, in science to, we're really trying to push for more women in science and dealing with all these, with all the gender issues that there, there Mm -hmm. are, especially in academia and science and engineering. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I was deathly afraid (laughs) of telling anybody uh, about, about my son Uh, That I was pregnant and, um, yeah, afterwards I really, it wasn't that I felt the imposter syndrome so much. It was just more that people didn't take me seriously anymore because I had a baby. Oh, like I just felt like the, I just, and and it could have been in my own head, but I just felt like people were like, Oh You had a baby. You know, I just felt like I heard just the disappointment in their voices or when I was pregnant. Oh, you're pregnant.
0: No, I feel that's a common (laughs) uh, reaction that people experience in academia because Mm -hmm. they assume that women who have children are going to then have divided loyalties right. to science. And, and, of course, we we know that only true good scientists devote 100 hours per week to right. science and never have anything outside of that, right? Right. And so so there's this perception <laughs> that if you have a family, you can't also be a good scientist, which is what we're really trying to fight here on this podcast, yeah. that you can take care of yourself, you can have family, you can have other hobbies and interests, and, mm-hmm. and um, a, a life that's full full and always not just in the scientific way and Mm -hmm. also be just as productive as a scientist that it's not an either or situation and so um do you find when when you do spiral into or when you know i don't know maybe there's two questions here one is internally how do you handle questions of doubt can i do this and and the imposter syndrome maybe you know i don't belong here i you know Mm -hmm. i'm a older grad student with a new baby, what the hell did I think? Right, you know, I right. <laughs> and then, and so how do you handle that internally? And also how do you handle these sorts of microaggressions from other people suddenly treating you differently now? Like you're, you're a mother, so therefore you can't be blank. Right. You know? Um. Well,
1: so as far as the, you know, my own thought process, a lot of it was for me was getting, I got, again, I got lucky that I had some things happen that kind of helped me kind of pull me out of that. So, you know, my first publication got accepted right before I went, before I delivered my son. So that was kind of affirming to me with all the fears I had while I was pregnant. It's like, well, no, I've got physical evidence now. I'm published. So that, that, I mean, it wasn't, that's not, you know, the strategy, get published before you deliver. No, But it was just kind of serendipity that I got published before I delivered. And, and so it gave me something to work to focus on. Like, nope, they're taking me seriously. They didn't go, oh, she's got a pregnant, she's pregnant. Let's pull her paper. <laughs> yeah. They took me seriously. Okay, I'm gonna keep focusing on that and keep, and then I just kept pointing back to like, nope, I'm, I've been taken seriously. I've got my publication out. And I'm being taken seriously and that that was one thing that really helped was really focusing on that especially since i had to do the the proofing process you know mm-hmm. um because it got accepted and the proof was being done while i was towards the end of pregnancy and delivering and my proof actually got delivered to me right after i went into the hospital oh, wow! so i had to work with them and say hey i just delivered a baby, baby. <laughs> i'm not going to make your deadline i need a little extension and they were great they're like no Problem. And even yeah. when I put the paper in, I was like, by the way, if you don't hear from me, I am, you know, this many days from my delivery date and yeah. I'm probably going to be induced yeah. and all this. So if you don't hear from me, it's probably because I'm in the hospital. And, the, and amazingly, the publishers were fantastic. Great. So that, that made it, that made me feel really good as, as great as the publishers were about understanding that my communication was going to be low and understanding that things were delayed because of this yeah. life event and being completely like, we understand it's not a problem. let us know what you need and being supportive that was that was i think that was just kind of a bonus thing that happened that allowed me to kind of keep myself centered from p- feeling like people treated yeah. me differently the The other thing was um, i i again just keeping a support network, I had a um I had, I have a PhD buddy, which is somebody that I met with even before I got pregnant. We were meeting in our final year to kind of keep each other on track. That's
0: a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. PhD buddy. Yeah. It's going to, we could have a whole episode on that. Yeah. Yeah. Just to
1: keep ourselves on track and making sure we're moving forward and writing. And she has five children.
0: Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. She's like me. Yeah. Well, she's like
1: me. She, you know, she had her career and everything like that and went back to grad school. So being able to talk to her every week and saying, well, I'm experiencing this and, and, you know, and, and I'm experiencing X, Y, and Z mm. and these feelings. And, sh- and she's kind of in the same boat, but she has gone through this with kids. That was really useful because she was a sympathetic ear that understood what I was going through and was not judging me because she knew exactly what was happening. And she's like, again, it was just kind of like, I could lament with her about what I was feeling and get, you know, affirmation that this is normal. It's not a problem. You're a you, re- you really are doing well, keep moving forward. So it was, for me, it was really about a support network of people around me to kind of keep me centered that were like, don't yeah. worry, you know, just to kind of remind me not to worry that what I was doing was okay.
0: Going on to the, the second question, how do you handle these perceptions that people don't take you as seriously anymore? Is that something that you ever address directly, or is it something that you address more internally? Um, you,
1: uh, a lot, mostly kind of just internally. Like I, I address it directly with other people, other women in science, Mm. other women in science who've had children. Yeah. I, you know, I have some other mentors that are in science, are in academia and have those and have their kids. And I basically called them and said, I really want to ask you these questions. And I asked them like, how did, do you feel, did, you know, did you really experience it or was yeah. it just an internal feeling and how did you manage yeah. it, you know, and, and, and having those conversations really helped me. Um, and then I just addressed it internally I, I, as well. I mean, I really kind of just thought like I had to sit back and think about what was the interaction I had with so-and-so while I was talking to them about yeah. my postdoc. was that in my head that they were just like oh you're having a baby that's tragic we don't want you anymore (laughs) or was it or did they really were they really saying that or were they just really saying okay so our schedule is going to have to be a little different we're going to have to be delayed you may not we may not be able to do this proposal anymore whereas I'm just hearing oh you're pregnant you're off the market (laughs) you know so it was really me trying to make sure that I did not misinterpret what, what other people were people saying, saying when they found yeah. out about my situation. So, I really had to kind of step back and, and reevaluate what I heard people mm-hmm. saying. And a lot of times it was me and me yeah. interpreting that people were not being supportive when in reality, people were trying to figure out how to support me. Support, yeah.
0: It's, yeah, it's definitely true. I feel like it's always best to give people the benefit of the doubt yeah. when possible, just because, <laughs> you know, the world's tough as it is right. without, you know, right. uh, assuming that everyone is out to get us and <laughs> right. and, 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 and going to not be supported. But on the other hand, you know, there are real cases of uh, gender discrimination, particularly for mothers. It's yes. It's much higher. Yeah than than even for women and and so that i think is legitimate. i
1: i think it is definitely yeah i think it is definitely legitimate i and i i won't say that every interaction i had was positive i i i just i think for the most part like i got lucky in that most of the interactions with the people that i that i dealt with especially in my phd program were mostly positive like my yeah. department was there to support me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: My um, my advisors were there to support me, and and I had to make sure that I was hearing the support yeah. and not thinking that yeah. they were against me.
0: Yeah.
1: Yes, were they worried about me being pregnant? Absolutely. Sure. sure. <laughs> they're like, I mean, they're like, I mean, I got the you are going to finish right, and it yeah. wasn't okay. She's walking out. They were making sure that I wasn't
0: yeah. thinking
1: that I was done. It wasn't them them thinking I was done. Yeah. It was them making sure I wasn't thinking I was Yeah, done. I
0: think if I was in that situation, I would hear that as a, Are, can you handle this? And questioning right. your ability versus, you know, and your dedication. And I can see mm-hmm. how how that would be very difficult right. to deal with.
1: Right. And it was more, and that's what, how I interpreted it initially. And then I sat back and it's like, oh no, they're afraid that I'm thinking, that oh, I'm going to leave. so they would support you. Yeah, because yeah. they're like... They, they was more them thinking that, not that I couldn't handle it, that I was just gonna leave and walk away. They're like, well, we don't, what, what we can don't we do with that? We don't we want can, that. What yeah. can we do to support you? What do you need? Yeah.
0: That's a really good lesson because, yeah. <laughs> you know, it is, it is true that. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, will, they might not know how to support. And so sometimes interactions come across as awkward right? or they don't know what to say or they say the wrong (laughs) thing, but they might be overall trying to help you and at least find the ones who do. Like you said, it sounds like you have a great network of Mm -hmm. uh, mentors and, and support team, you know, when you're traveling or, or at home. Um, I just want to finish up. We're nearing the end of our time together, but I have one last question is what is the most ridiculous imposter thought you've ever had?
1: If you can think of one. <laughs> it was happened recently. Okay, good, good. <laughs>
0: um, that
1: um, <laughs> the most ridiculous imposter thought as I was standing on stage giving my talk, actually at the conference. At this right, conference, <laughs> is was like everybody thinks I'm a raving lunatic. No! <laughs> I was like, I, I didn't even look at the crowd, but I was just like, oh my God, they all think I'm a raving lunatic and that this whole research is just crazy. That's exactly what I thought. And I literally last night was like, I did so horrible. I have destroyed my career. No, it was no. so terrible.
0: Yeah. And I, you do know that that is not true. I, yes, I do. But that's
1: where I was What's last night? night. I mean, it was severe. It's probably because it's it was my first big professional talk. It was yeah. my first talk after having my son. But it was yeah. my first kind of like. It was my first kind of reintroduction back into my community after having my yeah. son cuz you know I had my last conference for, like before I delivered. Yeah. And I actually gave a great talk and won an award and everything wow. at <laughs> my last conference, but it was my first time after having my son and I'm just like, "Oh, everybody sees me differently." And oh, especially yeah. cuz I have him at the conference yeah. and maybe they don't take me so seriously. So it was just like imposter syndrome city.
0: Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> Well, I'm so glad that you brought Gavin to the conference because that's how I was like, This would be amazing yeah. to have you as a guest on our on our new Fledgling podcast, of which this is the very first episode. Mm-hmm. And you know, hopefully we'll have many more. Thank you so much for uh joining us. Oh,
1: absolutely. Um it was it was my honor, it was a pleasure. Thanks again for having me. All right, bye. Yeah.